0: This week on Inside Motorsport, we catch up with Richard Crowell about his US adventure, and we also get set for the first race of the Supercars Championship, the Adelaide 500. I hope you stay with us. Well, Richard, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, but you've had... ...possibly one of your more unique experiences, sitting up in the crowd for the Daytona 500.
1: Yeah, good day, Craig. Uh, yeah, it was. It was very unique, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time, and I've uh, been fortunate enough to see the Indy 500 uh, a couple of years ago for the 100th running there, and uh, one thing led to another, and we were at the 60th running of uh, the great American race, Daytona. Uh, so, very cool experience. Uh, it's one of those motor races that I think, whether you enjoy oval track racing or not, it's it's right up there with one of the, the biggest shows in the world. and. I happen to enjoy global track racing, so uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Very cool experience and learned a lot. Um, learned a lot about how they do motor racing over there and, and the show and what it's like from a spectator point of view, and I think there's stuff that we can learn from that to bring back to Australia. But um, from an overall experience point of view, it was terrific and really enjoyed it, and oh, it was a dramatic finish to group, which just added to the show.
0: Can you define the differences between the Indy 500 and the Daytona 500?
1: Well, no, no I was talking to someone about this at the day, and, and I, I don't think you can. And, and I think that's what makes each event so very unique. They're, they're really not comparable. They're both large-scale events on large-scale facilities that just, you know, they seem to operate outside the rules of what motorsports should be in terms of, Attracting a crowd and how it runs and the behind-the-scenes stuff, but they're both so vastly unique events in their own right. That, but they're really not that similar, and I think that's, I think that's great because they should stand on their own. But they, they both stand for very different things. Um, you know, the Indy Five Hundred more about the history and the tradition, and um, probably draws more on its past than the Daytona Five Hundred does. Um, Whereas the NASCAR race is definitely um, it, it's as much about the the actual competition and the show and um, the pack racing and kicking off the NASCAR year and um, yeah they're both very different spectacles very very different spectacles but I, as I said I think that's what makes them unique and that's worth celebrating and, and you know makes it worthwhile going to both of them
0: in some respects it's a bit like the 12 hour the 1000 and now the six hour which uh, is oversubscribed again this Easter. Whilst it's all three are at Bathurst, all three have a completely different feel to them.
1: Yeah, I think so. But but even even the format of the races at Indianapolis and uh, and Daytona are very, very different. And, you know, the, the Indy 500 is a, a different style of race. It's not quite so much pack racing like Daytona is. Um, it's still on a nice edge, but there's perhaps more of a strategic element involved, whereas Daytona, you know, you've got... 40 NASCARs running within a second of each other, three wide, um, and it, it's probably more of a, you know, to be honest, it, it's probably more of a big bash style cricket game, whereas the Indy 500's a bit more of a one dayer. Um, so sort of the way the race plays out, they both build to a thrilling finish, of course. But um, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, celebrate the differences. I think they're, they're both completely different ways of going motor racing. They've both got different appealing parts of the show that stand out as being eye-opening, and I think that's fantastic.
0: You also had another chance to go to a world-famous circuit at Sebring.
1: Yeah, which is sort of an opportunity while we're in Florida. We we had a couple of days after the 500 to have a look around, so we went down to Miami and Fort Lauderdale, had a look at the coast, which is all very nice, but on our way back up to Orlando, we, we drove up through the middle, up through the Everglades, and then... To, uh, to Sebring, which is a fascinating old place, old oh, World War Two airfield. Um, it just it's, couldn't be more of a contrast to Daytona, which is this immaculate facility. It's, you know, it's superbly laid out, superbly presented, everything's perfect. Sebring's an airfield where they have put a racetrack in about 50 years ago, like some fences up and not much has changed, but it's got a great unique charm to itself. And, um... We were lucky enough to catch a couple of uh, hours of inter sports car testing there. So um, the GT3 Cup USA was running, uh, LMP3 cars were running. So it was it was cool to see it in action. Um, it's a fascinating old place, and I've, I'd love to see the Sebring 12 hour because I think when it's full and that's an event famous for its carnival-style atmosphere and 50,000 people just camping there. Uh, I think it'd be a, a pretty interesting place, but you couldn't get more of a contrast between two facilities than, um, than Sebring and Daytona because they're just worlds apart, which is ironic given they're now owned pretty much by the same corporation.
0: Mm. Well, one event that's going to kick off the Australian supercar season is the Adelaide 500. It's, I don't know how many times I have to check myself to uh, not yeah. say the previous sponsor of the last, what was it, 13, 14 years?
1: Uh, well, I think it was more than that. Nine, nineteen, all oh, by the first one. I think from memory. But um, yeah, look, it's it's a big year, 20th anniversary. Um, so it's gone ten years longer than the Grand Prix ever did in Adelaide, and it's it's just entrenched in the psyche here as being uh, the major event on the Adelaide and South Australia sporting calendar. Um, it, it's still an enormous draw. It has huge crowds. It's it's iconic for. A, not just as motor racing, but everything else as well. And, and this year, the, the lineup off track just as good as the one on it. So, yeah, it's it's an exciting time, and it's cool to start the supercar season again after the way we ended it last year and the most remarkable showdown you could ever have. And now it's it's probably gone up a notch because there's just so many variable storylines going into this year's supercar championship that. Make it really compelling and, and should make it one of the better championship battles again that we've seen. So there's so many competitive combinations, so many rookies, new names, new faces, experienced drivers in small teams, um, you know, big teams with young drivers. It just, it all stacks up to be a really compelling weekend. And um, there's a level of unpredictability about it that we perhaps haven't seen going into Adelaide 500 for some time because, you know, We weren't sure what DJR Team Penske would do this time 12 months ago. So we all sort of went into it thinking, oh, it's going to be a cup benefit. And, um, well, we all knew how last year's season played out. So, um, yeah, really exciting. It's a a cool time
0: of year. And one fascinating thing we'll see for the first time in a long time is we'll see the team with the last two years champion not being Mm. in the position of the champion team, where DJR Team Penske will take that, prime position out of the pit exit.
1: Yeah, and that, that just has a, a little extra half a percent of a of a role. So we saw how good McLaughlin was in qualifying last year and, and that was from having a, a pit base further down the garages. So now he's gonna have clear racetrack blazing out for, for qualifying, which is just going to help him uh his amazing one lap pace even more than it did last year. So, you know, just a little advantage and that, that's proof that the teams championship is actually worth something even though the, the driver's title is, is the big-ticket story, the, the team's title certainly has a role to play, and that hit order preference is a big thing. Um, it, it's just it's stacked up, isn't it? it, from a field perspective when you look at some of the storylines going on about how the 14 Holdens and they've all got brand-new cars, none of them really have much of an idea about how they're going to perform. Um, there's pressure on Nissan to deliver in the final year of their current contract with Nissan as a manufacturer. Um, Tickford Racing has strengthened. They've rebranded, but they're, they're arguably a stronger team now than they were 12 months ago with the addition of Richie Stanaway. So that's a, a real positive for them. Um, and, you know, the, the final question, mark like of can Shell V Power Racing go on and pick the box that they need to tick, which is win a championship? And, you know, the man to do it was. More than likely going to be Scotty McLaughlin and um, the pressure's now on him to, to just get through that final hurdle. And I mean, that's only half of it. Craig Lowndes has got to perform if David Reynolds continuing to improve with Erebus. Um, how will Will Davison go in 23 red? How will Simona De Silvestre go in her second full season now she knows all the circuits? etc etc, etc. You can see why it's such a an anticipated
0: start of the year. And for all the talk about the front of the field, with the changes in teams and licences and entrants, we are going to see a case where it's going to be very easy to end up in the back five positions of this year's championship. And uh, not, not many motor racing categories around the world can say that, you know, you don't often have the last five spots, ignoring mechanical failures, already sorted out before you start the race.
1: Oh, yeah, it's, it's wide open, isn't it? And, and Will Davison was quoting an article online the other day saying that, you know, you, you, you could be 25th one week and 2nd the next. It's just the way that it's going to play out. There's no, on paper, at this point, there's no dud outfits and there's no dud cars in strong outfits. Mm. So you remove those variables. It's just a, a remarkable grid. Um, you know, I mean, Will Davison, single-car team, used to be Lucas D'Umbrell, but he's got a ticket racing car that won races last year. And he's a guy that's finished in the top three in the championship and won Bathurst twice. He's got a good engineer and a, a solid financial base to build on. So they should be competitive. Yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of the championship this year, that there's, you know, there's these so many things that could go well. So... All of a sudden, you look at guys like Anton Di at, at Erebus in the second Erebus car, or uh, Jimmy Golding in the second GRM car. Like these, these guys are serious steerers that have won races in Super two, two level, and uh, we all believe, you know, reasonable shots at a decent career in the sport. They could be the ones twenty fourth and twenty fifth, but they might end up only being six or seven tenths off the pace being there, and it's certainly not through lack of ability, just lack of experience. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of the bigger appeals of the season we've got.
0: You mentioned you've been to the 100th Indy, the 60th Daytona 500, but you are a proud South Australian. What does the 20th Adelaide 500 mean to a motor racing fan from South Australia?
1: Well, I mean, it's huge, isn't it? And, and you know, I talked before about how big the event is to the state and how it's now entrenched itself here. But um, you've got to remember that in '95 when... Well, it was 94 when the news came out that when it was reported that Adelaide had lost the Grand Prix or Melbourne had stolen it, depending on which viewpoint you, you care to take in that argument, um, you know, there, there was a conceivable notion that all we'd have left in motor racing here would be a, a touring car around at Malawar, and that was about it. So the, the bold move by the government to to kick off this, this Adelaide 500 and, and take a gamble with a, a domestic touring car event on a big street circuit using all the same infrastructure they used for the Grand Prix and promoting it the same and, and running it in the same way. It was an enormous gamble to take, um, but fortunately it paid off. And um, I think it's a great testament to everyone that, that invested in it and um, back in the day. And I, I think it's a fair argument that it, the event itself probably has a, an overreaching effect on the sport in Australia in general because had it not been a success... I'm not convinced we'd be racing at Townsville now. I'm not convinced we'd be racing uh, at Newcastle and these other straight circuits that we've we've tried. I don't think any of those would have happened had the Adelaide 500 not have been a success. So it's got broader implications across the sport. But from a local perspective, it, it's an extraordinary event that draws 260 to 300,000 people over the course of four days. Um, and it's just an amazing bit of PR for for South Australia and, and, you know, it's unanimous across the sport and certainly the people that you and I work with in the media and most of the teams are drivers. It's it's the benchmark event. It remains the benchmark event after 20 years. I think that's an enormous uh, feather in the cap for the Adelaide 500.
0: And for the media industry, for drivers... Out of South Australia, it has been uh, a huge launching platform. They've been able to uh, build a career based on the experience of what they've had, the uh, opportunity to report on, or or support um, in and and so on.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, without the LA 500, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I don't think there's any doubt in that. I'd, I'd have a clap, but but the following just wouldn't be there in the sport for that to happen, and. Um, and even further than that, you know, there's a there's $120 million racetrack being built in South Australia now, a permanent circuit, an hour southeast of Adelaide at Taylor Bend. There's no way that that would have been built had the confidence in the industry not been there via the Adelaide 500. So, you know, the, the Peregrine Corporation who are building the bend, you know, look at the strength of the sport in South Australia and the legitimate following that it's got and the patronage that it's got through the Adelaide 500. And that gave them the opportunity to go, right, well, we can gamble and build this racetrack here um, because we know that there's a following in the state. We know that there's enough commercially to back it up and to run it as a viable operation. So, you know, the the event just... The tentacles that that come out from it that spread right throughout the industry, that it's a snowball effect that that event has grown and built um, so many different facets of the sport over here in particular But I think... I think nationally as well. Um, and even internationally, it's an event that people look at and go, wow, can't believe a domestic touring car category has an event of that scope. You know, three years ago, there were 90,000 people there on Sunday. Yes, it was helped by a big concert that night. But I mean, for a domestic touring car race, that is an unbelievable crowd. And it's something that the British Touring Car Championship, the World Touring Car Championship, the DTM, Japanese GT, anyone like that, they would give their right arm and leg for. Um, and they don't have it, but we do. So I think it's brilliant for
0: the sport here. And I'm looking forward, Richard, uh, coming up at the end of August to see who is the racetalk.com South Australian supercar champion when you present that trophy to uh, the combined points winner from (laughs) Clipsal and Tail and Bend. Yeah, let's not jump
1: again. I haven't done that deal to sponsor that yet, but I like the way you think the South Australian supercar champion. Yeah, it's a big thing could be good um yeah i mean august isn't that far away scarily enough so uh, the time we've been round will come around all
0: too quickly mm, indeed richard great to catch up with you thanks for your insight into uh, your experiences over in the states and we look forward to speaking to you throughout the 2018 year it's amazing we're saying 2018 and more particularly when we uh, start getting into some of that porsche racing that you do so much enjoy thanks trade always a pleasure